Do you have moderate to severe male isolation? You've been down this road for far too long. He left your love behind. Now there is Broterra. You can do more to get connected because gathering with other men shouldn't create anxiety. You take Broterra once a year to activate your faith and release it publicly like you're supposed to. Broterra does not contain estrogen. It comes in a once a year, easy to take spiritual injection at the annual Crossline Men's Conference. Keep your spiritual life strong with Broterra. Nine out of 10 men achieve significant gains in purpose. Of those, nearly nine out of 10 sustained it eternally. Proterra may increase your risk of raising hands during worship and lower your fear of being public for Jesus. Proterra will increase your relationship satisfaction at home and lower immature outbursts. Before taking Proterra, check with your spouse or girlfriend if she wants an emotionally grown up, relationally committed and spiritually strong man. After taking Broterra, tell your doctor if you are experiencing more peace, more laughter, less temptation, fewer personal indiscretions, and putting up the toilet seat. Ask God about your injection of Broterra and sign up for the Crossline Men's Retreat today. Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream, sponsored by Broterra. Did you like that? It's just kind of my funny way of letting you in on the best men's experience, yes, in the country at my church, Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California, here in Southern California, right near the Everyman Studio, October 8th through 10, all right? And what we do at Crossline is we, we transform our entire 30-acre campus uh, for three days of spirit-empowered faith, spirit-empowered fun, spirit-empowered fellowship, general sessions, prophetic teaching of God's Word, powerful worship experiences for men, life-changing breakouts, and listen, a kaleidoscope of festival sports and activities for dudes. So if that doesn't get you right there, uh, let me just invite uh, the live stream community to join us. Doesn't matter where you're from. We have guys from all over the country come in twos, come in groups, come out to Southern California, take that road trip, but particularly for you brothers that are in Southern California, all right? We're just a short drive. Spend a weekend with, with me, with Pastor Ricky Jenkins, Pastor JP Jones, Pastor Greg Monk, and hundreds of other dangerous good dudes, and let God touch your life. Like I said, it's one of a kind, and to get more information and register, just go to everymanministries.com and, and you'll see the Broterra ad and a link connected to it. So just click on that and uh, that will be right on our, our homepage. And, and I would love to just meet some of you guys that 
We meet together weekly like this, but we haven't met in person. And uh, it's such a joy, especially in this environment, to be able to gather as men in person in one space and watch the fire fall on us. So there's your invitation to come. Now today, uh, we are starting a brand new series, and it's called Love Strong. And I want you to hold a spot in your Bible in Luke chapter 10, and to get us thinking in the right direction, I, I think we can all agree that if a man is not doing his relationships right, he's not doing life right. I'll say that one more time. If a man is not doing his relationships right, he's not doing life right. How do I know? As a pastor, I do funerals all the time. People aren't talking about how fit he was. People aren't talking about how many houses he owned or where he traveled or where he vacationed or what his portfolio was like. You know what they talk about? If there is something to talk about is how he loved people, how he invested himself in relationships. That's how I know. So if a guy's not doing his relationships right, how do I know at the end he didn't do his life right? And I want you to think about it. I want you to think about your marriage relationships, your family relationships, father-son, father-daughter uh, relationships, close friends that matter uh, to you, coworkers, right? And if those aren't good, you're not good. I mean, there's the other measure of that. You know, if those relationships aren't good, you're not good. We kind of walk around uh, when our relationships aren't good with this abiding malaise in our life because we're disconnected from people in our first or second um, circle. And to boot, the devil who hates healthy relationships, um, he piles on. I mean, this is epic spiritual warfare, right? He's a deceiver and a devourer. How does he deceive and devour? Through division, all right? And we're experiencing that now, right now in our culture, but maybe when you dial it in more to your first circle, man, that's where the devil loves to do the most damage. In fact, he wants you to be weak at loving in your relationships, but he wants you to be strong in blaming others or making excuses for yourself, which just throws gas on the division in your first, second, or third circle or in your community, right? Now, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. Jesus also said, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. In other words, love strong, right? And I want you to pause and, and just think again about those close to you. How is that going? Are you loving them? sacrificially? Are you saying no to yourself so that you can say yes to them like Jesus did for us, right? So in part one of this new series, Love Strong, we're going to look at how a strong life for God's man involves loving strong. And then we want to look at exactly how Jesus loved us as the model, because he said, new command I give to you, love others as I have loved you. So let's take a look 
at your downloaded notes at the passage from Luke chapter 10 at the top. We're going to read it and then let's unpack it. All right. A religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, Jesus said. Do it and you'll live. What an amazing passage of scripture. You, you have a, a guy and he's asking Jesus, hey, how should I prioritize my energy here on earth? And, and Jesus said, hey, you need to focus on two important relationships. Now, let's just put some context around this. Uh, when we talk about men's culture or how we're, we're trained as men in our families and in our cultures, you know, I know that you're like me. You see a lot of men, so many men working so hard at building strong bodies, strong careers, strong portfolios, strong images in social media, and they miss the meaning of life. Now, Jesus here is essentially asked, what's the meaning of life, all right? What do I need to do, right, to please God and live an eternal life? And Jesus says, a strong life, write this down, is synonymous with strong relationships, okay? Again, Jesus is asked, how do I prioritize my energy? He says, focus on two relationships your relationship with God, and your relationships with people. Why? Because that is the meaning of life. Relationships. Your relationship with God, how's that going? And then relationships with others. How's that going? Answer those questions and you'll see how good you're doing at life. Secondly, Jesus says a strong life is synonymous with strong discipline, All right? You've got those two priorities, strong relationship with God, strong relationships with others, loving relationships with others, loving your neighbor as yourself. That takes discipline. And smart men, the smartest one I know, smartest ones I know, in over 30 years of doing men's, men's ministry, discipline themselves toward relationships. Do they have careers? Do they, do, they, do they work hard? Do they like to recreate? Yeah, they have, a full, they have full lives. But what they really focus on is they discipline themselves around their most important relationships and they live strong lives. Number three, Jesus says a strong life is synonymous with a strong ability to love. You notice at the end when Jesus affirms uh, the guy's interpretation of the, the great commandment, which is love God and love people, he says, do this, do it, and you'll live. What an answer. Do it, love God and love people really well, relationships, and you're going to live. Man, if you get nothing out of today's study, please get that. If you want to experience the meaning of life and you want to live, get to know God and love him with all your strengths all your muscle and intelligence, and love people like you love yourself, right? As well as you love yourself. Um, the big idea here, and this is, this is really huge, is my relationships with people, according to Jesus, 
are the truest measure of my relationship with God. In fact, according to Jesus and according to Scripture, there's no such thing as an awesome, great, fulfilling relationship with God and you're crummy at relationships, right? That's an oxymoron. Keyword, moron. You can't have, think that, oh, I can be great with God and then have my relationships be unhealthy and not life-giving, all right? These, that, that's, those two don't go together. But what does go together, what is symbiotic, is great relationship with God should inform, should infuse, and should energize great relationships with people. And that's why Jesus juxtaposed loving God and loving people next to each other. The better we do this, the better we do that. You can even use my hand signals. Do this really well, and you should be doing this better, all right? But if, you're, if you think you're doing this good and this isn't going good or not getting better on a progressive basis, then we have to address that issue. Thankfully, Jesus models for us what loving strong means. And that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time in part one. We really want to lay a foundation uh, by focusing on Christ and seeing how he loved strong because he says, love one another as I have loved you, all right? So loving strong, like Jesus means, write this down, loving the people in my life unconditionally, right? Loving the people in my life unconditionally. And we're going to go to scripture and see first how Jesus loved us unconditionally and what it looked like. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8 says this, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what the headline of that is? And I want you to write this down is that Jesus does not pre-qualify his love. In fact, this passage is emphatic, right? We're still powerless. We're still ungodly, right? We're still sinners, okay? A lot of reasons not to die for those people. In fact, in the passage, it says rarely will people die, you know, for even a righteous person, right? Though for, for a good person, someone might dare to die. So what it's setting up is this condition. Like, well, that person deserves sacrificial love, and I, I'll risk my life for that person because they're good. I'll pre-qualify them. If they're good, maybe I'll risk sacrificial love, maybe even die for them, right? The Bible says that Jesus loved us so strongly, and what did it look like? By loving us unconditionally, right? Jesus does not pre-qualify. He does not base his love on us meeting some condition. In fact, he met us at our very worst. Powerless, sinful, ungodly. Think about that. Powerless, sinful, ungodly. And in that space, Jesus chose to love us, to come near to us. Just think about that. When we were at our worst when we were at our least deserving, 
That's when Jesus loved us. Man, isn't that powerful? Just think about that, that he would do that for you. Now, let's translate this over. I give you a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus calls you, God's man, to love unconditionally. In fact, Jesus was criticized for not pre-qualifying people. Look at this passage from Luke chapter 15. It says this, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, okay, under their breath, this man, Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them, all right? I want to know why they were so upset, because broken male religious culture, that's key, broken male religious culture, right, was a culture of pre-qualifiers. And Jesus came into that broken male religious culture of pre-qualifiers, and he didn't pre-qualify who he was going to love. In fact, he put out the welcome mat for sinners, and he spent time with them. And that's what Jesus does with us. He rolled out the welcome mat and says, I want to be with you. I want a relationship with you. So that's, that's the first thing that Jesus models. Right? Loving strong like Jesus does means loving the people in my life unconditionally. Can I ask you a question? Do you pre-qualify people before you can serve people? before you can love people? Do they have to get to a certain level of reciprocity with you before they, they can be loved by you or before you can encourage them, before you can serve them? Boy, if that was Jesus's standard, we're all going to hell, but it wasn't. Christ loved us when we were powerless, when we were sinful and ungodly. Wow. You know, some of us, especially if you're married. We say to ourselves in probably our weaker moments, boy, if only they were a little more like me, things would go well around here. You know? Wow. Okay? Good thing Jesus didn't say that. All right? We have to learn to love like Jesus. And, and with all of these ways that Jesus loves us, that he wants us to reproduce in our relationships, it's going to take some faith. It's going to be new. You know, because we're used to performance-based conditional love. Well, if you love me, I'll love you back. If you, if you take care of me, I'll take care of you. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That's not how Jesus loved. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God for God's man, right? Now let's look at the second way Jesus loved. Loving strong, like Jesus, means loving the people in my life selflessly. Write that down. Selflessly. Now, I want to be clear. It's not that Jesus didn't think of himself. Jesus ate, Jesus withdrew from people, Jesus took care of himself, Jesus would go to this retreat house in Bethany and visit Mary and Martha and, and his buddy Lazarus. He'd pull out of the crowds. It's not that Jesus didn't, didn't think about himself, but he thought about himself less, all right? Now, the Bible assumes uh, that you already think about yourself, right? Because it says love others as well as you love yourself. So the Bible assumes that you're already self-interested, all right? That's a baseline, okay? That's already there. We don't have to work at it. We always look out for number one. But what the goal is, God's man, 
is to think of yourself less, right? To, to kind of battle and discipline ourselves to not always think about what we want and how we want it and, and when we want it and, and our schedule, our time, our agenda, our interests, our needs, our gratifications, is to turn the volume down on that guy, right? And turn the volume up to think about what do they need? In fact, there's, there's, there's just a saying that, that I wanna give you right now. The way that you start thinking about others more is to learn how to ask a simple question. And the question is this, do you need anything? When you're around people, just try to get into the habit of saying, hey, do you need anything? And then if they answer, no, I'm good, then you're good. Or if they say, Would you, or, do you need some water? Or, you know, do you need anything? And then fulfill that need. That's going to get you on a path of not thinking of yourself, not thinking of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, right? And prioritizing people. Look at uh, this passage uh, from John chapter 15, verse 13. It says this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends, right? And so here you have friends, relationships, and thinking of them before thinking of yourself, right? That's, that's what we equate with sacrifice. Someone is saying no to themselves so they can say yes to others. And so what, what does Jesus model? Um, he models... Uh, but prioritizing others as his purpose, right? Jesus prioritizes others as his purpose. Again, it's not that he didn't think of himself, but he thought of himself less. And what does that look like? It looks like a purpose. Your purpose, God's man, is to prioritize people. That's your, that's your purpose. And if you do that, you're going to love strong because you're going to serve people and sacrifice uh, for people. All right. And sometimes it gets messy and it's really gets challenging. And, and Jesus, once again, addressing the broken male religious culture of his day, he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. I want to read it here, but I want you to read it with kind of, you know, a set of glasses, uh, thinking about how these religious guys love and serve people. In Luke chapter 10, verse 33, it starts, it says, A Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. Okay, this is a hurting man. He's beat up. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Quote, look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So the context for Jesus talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan is he's been asked, who is my neighbor? So it's on the heels of one of the statements of Jesus, which is love your neighbor as yourself. And then to test Jesus, they said, well, who is my neighbor? It was really like, I'm, I'm the perfect neighbor and I want you to tell me that I am. And then Jesus 
essentially tells the parable of the Good Samaritan to expose how unloving the broken male religious culture of his day is. And prior to the passage that we read, there was a Levite, a religious guy, a priest, and they basically walked by the injured man on the road, right? If you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, and they, they essentially crossed over. They avoided it. They deflected. They, they said, I don't have time for that. It's too messy for me, right? So religious guys, quote-unquote God's men, they saw someone in need, and they walked by the need, right? But then this Samaritan, right, a hated ethnic race of the Jews, Jesus makes him the hero. What does he do? He lovingly, right, prioritizes others as his purpose. And that's, that's what Jesus was trying to say. It's like, hey, you know, if your priority is God, your priority has to be people, right? And loving them sacrificially. And yes, it gets messy. But that's the parable of how Jesus loved us. That's the actuality of how Jesus loved us. We were powerless. We were sinful. We were ungodly. We were in a hot mess. And into that hot mess comes a Savior who cleans us up, who bandages our wounds, who restores and helps us recover life, just like the Good Samaritan did. So loving people in my life unconditionally is what Jesus models. He doesn't pre-qualify people. Loving the people in my life selflessly is what Jesus models. He prioritizes others over self as a purpose, all right, as a lifestyle and as a purpose. And then number three, loving strong like Jesus involves loving the people in my life courageously. You see, when you love people unconditionally, okay, that takes freedom. It takes freedom from what others think, right? When you love people self selflessly, okay, that takes focus, right? You got to focus less on yourself and, and focus more on others. When you love people in your life courageously, it's going to take faith. You're going to have to risk. And we read about this in Matthew 26. It's the single greatest moment of risking for relationships in human history. And we read about it beginning in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to him, them, My soul is, is overwhelmed um, with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me, and going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Again, this is the single greatest moment of risking for relationships and courageously loving that you will ever see in your life. Why? Because Jesus, to secure relationship with us, requires that he must drink of the cup of suffering. And we catch him just before that cup 
of suffering is going to be drunk by Jesus. The cup of torture, the cup of Roman crucifixion, only one result there. Um, the flogging, the hamburger back that was created by that flogging, um, the nails, the blood flowing, the crown of thorns, the mockery, the humiliation. And, you know, this is the only time we see in Scripture where Jesus confronts the will of God and pauses. You would too. And then he says, May this cup be taken from me, yet... There's the, the pivot point. Yet, not my will be done, but your will be done. And so that's what Jesus models. Write this down. Jesus risks big for relationships that matter to him. And the reason that I phrased it that way is because guess what, man of God? You matter to Jesus. And that's how he risked for you, because you matter. So... If you, if you struggle with feeling unworthy, you struggle with a self-perception that, man, I'm, I'm not worth loving, wrong. You matter this much to Jesus that in that moment, he would say, okay, if there's another way to do it, I'll do it that way. But if not, your will be done and not my will be done. And then he rose, the Bible says, and then he walked toward his betrayer, Judas. And then he walked and gave himself to a Roman guard who then started that awful kangaroo court unjust process of Roman crucifixion, conviction, torture. Why? Because he had you on his mind, and that's what we read about in Hebrews chapter 12. Powerful passage of scripture. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What was the joy set before him? It certainly wasn't the cross and crucifixion. The joy set before him was you. Relationship with us. You know, I... I look at what Jesus did and I, I would just say, you would do that for me? You ever had somebody do something over the top, something so thoughtful, so personal, so sacrificial that you would say, you would do that for me? Where they set themselves aside so significantly to say yes to prioritizing you. Well, that is the thrust of Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And then what is our response? Consider him. Think on him who endured such opposition, such humiliation, such crucifixion at the hands of sinners. Why? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
you're that important. You know, when you, when you know you matter, gives you confidence, makes you feel safe, gives you energy. And that's the whole point of loving strong. See, Jesus modeled loving unconditionally, selflessly, and courageously. Think about what that does to you, okay? No pre-qualifying, uh, focus as a priority on other people, Jesus risking big, risking his body, right? Man, how does that make you feel? You know, and, and that's where we want to unpack this and now make the connection of love others as I have loved you. In your relationships, write this down, sacrifice produces safety and security. You want to know why you feel safe and secure in the love of God? Is because of the sacrifice of God, the Son of God. You feel safe and secure when someone sacrifices. You feel safe with them. You feel intimate with them. You feel secure in their love. Why? Because they were willing to pay such a high price. Right? Now, think about that. When you sacrifice for others in your life, what does that produce in them? It produces a, an openness, a safety, and a security that nothing else can get. Not words, not platitudes, not I'll pray for you or call me. No, action and sacrificial love, right? Loving strong, right? Secondly, in your relationship, sacrifice oozes integrity, right? Think about something that, that, that oozes out, right? You know, when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste and toothpaste oozes out, right? It's just kind of flowing out. Well, what does sacrificial love, loving strong through sacrifice, communicate? It communicates integrity. It means, you know what? I could have said words, but forget about the words. This is what I'm going to do. Right? That's why we love Jesus. We love it because he, he sacrificed, and we, and we saw him do it, and we celebrate him at communion, and we celebrate his sacrifice, and man, it just... It oozes integrity in terms of what he says and who he is and the response we're supposed to have from him. And when he talks, it just oozes integrity. Sacrifice accelerates integrity. Now, think about your relationships, whether they're at work, whether they're at home, whether they're with sons and daughters, whether it's with a spouse. You want integrity when you speak? Then take some sacrificial action. Love sacrificially. Love strong. Third, in your relationships, sacrifice activates the potential for reciprocity, okay? You don't have relationships without reciprocity. In other words, the feeling is mutual. Like you give to a relationship, someone gives back. That's reciprocity. The relationship is reciprocal. But Jesus doesn't say, love others when they have loved you first, then love them back. He just says, love others as, as I have loved you. And remember, we were sinful, we were powerless, we were ungodly. He loved us when we were at the worst. He came to us when we were the least deserving of love, and he sacrificed for us in that space, in that condition that we're in. When you do that, whether someone deserves that love or not, um, you're creating the potential for them to reciprocate and love you back. In fact, 
That is what the Bible teaches our relationship with Jesus is like. It is not on your notes, but please write down 2 Corinthians 5.15. It says this, And he died for all, that those who live, us, should not live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Do you see the picture? Jesus' sacrifice produces that safety and security. It oozes that integrity. And then we see what he does for us, and it's, it unequivocally speaks. It advances his cause of relationship toward us, and then it makes us want to reciprocate and live for him and do whatever it takes because of his strong love that looks like sacrificial love. So, love others the way I have loved you. That's what Jesus accomplished. And that's, if you model that love, if you imitate Jesus in your relationships, right, and love people unconditionally, selflessly, and courageously, you give them an opportunity to reciprocate, you know, but that's gonna take faith. It's gonna take faith in God's command and you taking a, a risk, right? And, and that's what I wanna address as we wrap this up. Loving strong the way Jesus did to secure a relationship with us is a risk, it takes faith. Listen to one of my favorite martyred missionaries, uh, Jim Elliott, listen to what he said. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot, right, what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. And what Jim's point is, is when I choose to give up my way of doing relationship, my way of living for God's way, I'm giving up what I cannot keep and that, you know, my way is going to stay on earth in order to gain what I cannot lose, which is eternal blessing and eternal reward. All, the, all those decisions to risk for God and to love him and to love people really strong, that all goes with me. I get to keep that, right? But the selfishness, that doesn't go with me. All the things that were gained by, that doesn't go with me, right? And so there's that tension, all right? that's inside of us when God's calling us to risk for a relationship. There was tension in the Garden of Gethsemane, but Jesus chose it. When you really love someone, there's gonna be a tension. You're gonna to have to say no to yourself to say yes to others like Jesus did. In fact, Jesus addresses this tension of risking for God, and I wanna make a connection to the gospel. Jesus says in Mark 8, 35, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Isn't it interesting that before Jesus prays that prayer to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane and says, is there another way? Yet not my will, but your will be done. He is living out the gospel right there. He is saying no to himself to say yes to us, and he goes to his death to cleanse us of our sin, forgive us, and make a way for us to go to heaven. And how does that connect to you and I, God's man? The way it connects to you and I is that when we are experiencing that tension, and then we choose, like Jesus did, to love another person unconditionally and not pre-qualified, to love another person selflessly, 
right? To make them our purpose, because that's what Jesus did. And to love someone courageously and just take that risk in faith, we're actually living out the gospel. That's that God so loved the world that he gave his only son who died for us and chose to die for us. And if we receive that love, we're going to heaven. And that's, that's what we're talking about here in this whole series. It's really loving strong is a reflection of living out the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And so what we're going to do right now is we're just going to close and we're going to pray. And my prayer for you is going to involve just loving like Jesus did. That's all I want. I want to declare over you in the name of Jesus the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can love in this supernatural way. So would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for this community of men. Thank you that as we, we stare in awe and wonder at how you loved us, Jesus, we were just humbled and we would just say to ourselves and then say to you, 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 would, you would do that? for me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us unconditionally, even though we were powerless and had nothing to offer, sinful and not holy, ungodly. You loved us at that spot, unconditionally. You didn't pre-qualify me or anyone, but you died for them anyway. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for loving us selflessly. Thank you for making humanity and people your purpose as a focus. It didn't mean that you didn't do the things to, to take care of yourself. It just means that you thought of yourself less and people were your priority. And you proved that all the way to the end. Holy Spirit, help us to be selfless like Jesus. And then, Lord Jesus, thank you for being so courageous in that garden. We look at what the decision that you made. We look at how you struggled physically. You offered your body emotionally. You suffered internally. You sweat blood. You risked spiritually. You trusted God uniquely and said, not my will be done, but your will be done. Lord, we want to be like you, but we can't do it on our own. Holy Spirit, would you fill us and empower us to make those same risks today? as we encounter people, that we would risk our bodies, risk even suffering internally, and trust you uniquely as we step into moments where you have called us to love as you have loved us, to love strong. And so, Lord, I, I declare the power of the Holy Spirit over every man that's listening to me today, that his relationships would change through your power in him and your power through him in the form of loving people, as Jesus loved. So Jesus, love through us today and in the days to come in powerful ways, God. In Jesus' name, we ask this and seal it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So guys, get ready. Buckle your seatbelt. We're going to have a strong journey over the next several weeks as we finish part one today 
and we're going into parts two through five in the coming weeks. And just a reminder, go to everymanministries.com, find the Brotera ad, maybe chuckle a little bit more, watch it a second or third or fourth time, share it. Uh, but register for the Crossline Men's Retreat Experience. Come to SoCal. Join me. I really want to meet you, and I hope I get to shake your hand, all right? If I don't, I'll see you next week. God bless.